Hello, everyone, and welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is episode 102, and it's the long-awaited review of Domestic Girlfriend. Oh, boy, here we go. (laughs) As always, there'll be spoilers throughout this episode. It's going to be a spicy one. It is our review of the trashiest, dumpster, fieriest anime to come out in recent times. Yeah, quick shout out to Hernstrom, Classy Ulysses, The Big Yikes, all the dumpster divers on our Discord (laughs) who had clamored for me to watch this hot mess of a show. This episode is is for you. (laughs) Yes, and yeah, I I have to say, definitely special shout out to our patron Hernstrom, who, when they became a patron, said to us, no shout out needed, just watch Domestic Girlfriend Carl. Hernstrom has been so excited for this, um, has been recommending and and hoping that Carl finally watches this and that we finally review it, and here it is. So this is for you. Yeah, so if you push my buttons enough, I'll I'll give whatever you want me to do a try. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. That's a dangerous game. <laughs> enough, enough. <laughs> but before we dive into it, a couple of housekeeping items. Um, first and foremost, we are days away as of when this episode airs from the Part 6 Stone Ocean premiere, which is September 1st. Stone Ocean Part 2 premiere. Oh, I believe Part 6 of JoJo Stone Ocean premiere that yes it's the part two of part six you, yes. you, you know if you're a jojo fan you know what we're talking about huh? yeah it, it comes out september 1st which means we are bringing back our stone ocean review series in weekly format starting on september 5th so again we are a or strictly jojo is a bi-weekly podcast and right now we're going through our part three stardust crusaders review series so starting september 5th we're going to move to weekly review episodes all the way through all of the new episodes that are coming out for Stone Ocean. Um, and then we'll go back to bi-weekly when we jump back into part three. So if you regularly tune into our other podcast, Strictly JoJo, or if you're a JoJo fan who hasn't yet tapped into our other podcast, hope you're looking forward to our Stone Ocean review series. I can't fucking wait. I'm so excited. Anasui's going to be there. Like that's, that's the one thing I am most hyped for with Stone Ocean is to finally see Anasui in action. Yeah, I don't know if I should do a quick, I don't know if there's a quick rewatch of episodes 1 through 12 or if I should watch a recap somewhere online before we start part 2. But I am excited to see the next leg of Jolene's journey through Stone Ocean. Yeah, that's one of the tough parts about having parts of an anime or different cores have such a long break in between. I understand it. It's probably a production thing to make sure they're able to provide the best quality animation and everything that they can for the show. But as a viewer, you kind of lose a little bit of what was you know, previously aired. Um, and you need that reminder before going into that next part. So I could see us needing a, a refresher of sorts. That way we've got everything I don't know, top of mind for when it premieres on September 1st. Mm -hmm. I know we mentioned our Discord earlier, and uh, I think we shared this a little bit before, maybe on our previous Strictly Anime episode. Episode 100. Yes, we have reached, or I guess we've surpassed, 100 members in our Discord. So if you're not a member of our Discord, we highly recommend you join. Everyone there is awesome. We've got plenty of lurkers. Hey, shout out to the lurkers. I'm a lurker myself. Um, but I feel like our community in the Strictly Series Discord is fucking awesome. Shout out to everybody who is very active and 
always has really good conversation going in all of our channels. So if you're interested in joining that and I don't know, connecting with us in a different way, the link to join our Discord is in the description. And you can hound me on the next anime I should watch on there too. <laughs> Again, that's a dangerous <laughs> game you're playing. <laughs> and then, uh, I don't know, last update here. Uh, we recently saw the Teasing Master Takagi-san movie because you were so kind as to go with me even though you've never seen this anime. Yeah, and I don't think any of our, our friends have seen it either. And so, yeah, I guess we kind of made a, a date night out of it, you know, going to a movie together. <laughs> yeah, it was nice. Uh, I appreciate you uh, doing that and, and, you know, going with me so I didn't have to go along because I don't know any any of our immediate friends that watched Kagi-san. And I love that anime so much. I, I knew I had to see the, the movie in theaters, even if it meant going alone, but thanks to you, I didn't have to be alone. I, what were mm -hmm. your thoughts? As somebody who is clearly watching, I think, what might be the end game of the series um, and having no context prior to that, do you have any thoughts on the Takagi-san movie? Yeah, there were only like five other people in the theater that we went to. Uh, not we did to go say, on a Tuesday night, though. Yeah, which I think was like the only time that this movie was like airing. I want to the say it was a couple days. It was like a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday airing, maybe or like a Saturday, Sunday or Saturday, Monday, Tuesday. It was like a three to four day thing. Oh, uh, OK. I thought it was just that one and done day. But of the days that we were available and the, the theaters having the sub aired, Tuesday night was the best option for us. So I knew that, you know, people love the show, but I just <laughs> first thought when I had seen the very empty movie theaters, like, wow, what a what a way to celebrate the ending of, of this series with a not so packed crowd. <laughs> but yeah, watching it, what was it like a, about an hour and a half or, or less. I think so, yeah. It was it was good. I'm sure I would have enjoyed it more had I watched the series. And I had planned to, but other things got in the way. Uh, so I, I just kind of walked into this blindly. But I think the, the intro was enough to set up the premise of what's going on between Takagi and who, who's the other guy? Ishikata. <laughs> she kind of already <laughs> forgot his name, but um, yeah, it just felt like I was watching three separate episodes of this show. Yeah, and... it was kind of segmented. Mm -hmm. And I would say, um, again, being a, a big fan of the series, I would say that season three is still the standout. That is still the best part of this whole series. Um, I think I gave season three a nine out of 10 on Mal. I'm just double checking myself here. And I want to say I ended up giving the movie. Okay, yeah, so I gave season three a nine out of 10. I ended up giving the movie an eight out of 10. So it was like just a step below the um, the amazingness that was season three of Takagi-san. But it was, if this is supposed to be the conclusion to the series, I would say it's a decently satisfying conclusion. I would like to see more. I think they could have done a little bit more with the actual end of the movie. Um, but it was still super wholesome, really great, decently satisfying, um, and just kind of kept that Takagi-san vibe going. So I would recommend it to any Takagi-san fan. Yeah, I was going to say that was the the weird thing with this movie is like I felt like this was, again, knowing that it was kind of the, the capstone to the series, that it would bring more of a finality to it. But like I said, it just felt like I was watching 
any sort of episode during the series regular run and then they touched upon some things at the end that gave it some finality but i felt like they could have expanded upon it more i agree and and reading some of the the discourse around the movie i think it's causing some some uh I don't know, like there's this gray area where some people are like, no, this is definitely ending the series. And others like myself are like, well, it kind of could keep going the way they ended it. Like it could, I guess, be the ending and it would be all right as an ending. But I feel like they left it open enough to continue the story maybe with one more season. So I don't really know what the intention is here. I think it's not super clear, but I've got my fingers crossed that there's more to Takagi-san. Just make sure you stay around after the credits, because I know there were a couple of patrons in the theater. Who, Literally everybody left but us. Yeah. I was like, they decided no fucking to way. Leave. And they, they probably were like, that was the movie? That was it? Because that Dude. was my initial thought until we, you know, I think now with, um, like, thanks to Marvel and the MCU, people are always questioning whether they need to stay through to the end of the credits to see if anything comes up. Thankfully, we did, because... Um, you are definitely in for a treat. Or at least Google it. Like, just do a quick online search and be like, should I stay past, uh, you know, po- for the post-credit stuff? Like, is there post-credit stuff at this movie? Because, um, yeah, lo- everyone in the theater missed it except for us. I was like, oh, that sucks for everybody else. And it was a really good post-credit scene. Definitely worth staying a bit later. Definitely worth the whole hour and a half that I had watched. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you again for going with me. I appreciate it. You're Maybe welcome. it'll spark your interest in the show because I, I think it is just one of the fluffiest, most wholesome, cute romance anime out there, um, especially with a lot of uh, dumpster fires and trashy, trash anime. Takagi-san is that palate cleanser, that wholesomeness that you sometimes need infused among all of the trash. And speaking of trash... Perfect transition right into Mm -hmm. Domestic Girlfriend. So some context. This is the second time that I'm watching it. I watched it when it first was airing, um, and I was on that roller coaster with everybody else in the community. And then um, you picked it up, obviously, because Hernstrom had recommended it. But I think you you had been curious about it for a while, right? Yeah, I had an inkling, maybe not an inkling, of what was going on in the series. Most of my information about Domestic Girlfriend, yeah, it, it came from the memes in the community, but also from Giguk, um, the content anime content creator on YouTube, because he has many videos about Domestic Girlfriend. Yeah, he's and got his, like at least three of them, right? Yeah, his kind of strange passion for the series. And like I, I think I had kind of spoiled what had happened in this, the show and even the manga, just by watching those videos but i was just so it was just so funny seeing how much he either adored or hated the series <laughs> and yeah i would say like that was my first exposure to domestic girlfriend and it wasn't until we had opened our discord and we had all of our users flooding in and giving us recommendations that again domestic girlfriend came up on my map again and i guess it's one of those anime where you feel like you it's one that you need to watch like out of obligation just to kind of be in the know of like anime culture yeah because anytime since this this anime premiered several years ago 
several, a few. I don't even know. It aired in 2019, so that feels like a long time. Ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but since it aired, I, I would say it, whenever there's talk of a trash or dumpster fire anime, domestic girlfriend always gets mentioned, always. Um, and I, I think there's some validity to that, but I also think that maybe it deserves a little bit more credit. I think it's easy to like clown on something and make it into a meme, um, regardless of whether or not it's, it's truly deserving. This is pretty deserving of some of the memes and some of the clowning, but there are some um, saving graces with Domestic Girlfriend, which we'll talk about. Um, but yeah, it's just it's one of those things where you're you see so much about it in the community that you're so compelled to know because you get so so curious actually i agree with you with your earlier point because i will give this series a bit of credit it wasn't as bad as i had initially thought after all the chatter and the discussion about it and i think part of that is just in thanks to i'm gonna say it marmalade boy <laughs> me watching marmalade boy i think indirectly prepared me for what I was about to encounter in this series because that show, even coming out of the 90s, uh, that was like a dumpster fire in itself. But I guess even though that helped me prep for this, it didn't really make my experience any better because I had watched it. And I keep saying trash and trashy, and that's intentional because I feel like this is called a trash anime but I don't think it's a trash anime. I think it's a trashy anime. The content here is trashy. It's dumpster fiery. It's it's lewd. It's spicy. It's it's over the top, you know, at certain points. But I don't think it's a trash anime because I think it's thoughtfully written. And I think mm -hmm. it's thoughtfully executed in terms of the anime adaptation, even with like the animation and, and the music and the pacing and everything. Like sometimes pacing was a little shit, but I... I I don't know. I think I think this is not necessarily a trash anime by definition. I think it just has trashy moments, and it's a dumpster fire. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's like you you have a, a a bag full of garbage, but then you put a flavored scented spray over it. That's that's how I would describe the show. <laughs> well, we do have a patron question, and this one comes from Jesse James. And I think now is the best time to go through these questions. I think there's two or three in total um, because I do want to talk about this right off the bat so we can establish this um, you know, as we go into our review. And so Jesse James asks, if it hasn't been said already during the review, so not yet because we're going to talk about this right now, are you guys team Hina or team Rui? Mm. I'm going to let you go first. Can I say neither? Uh-oh. <laughs> there are things about both of them that I, I don't like, and I guess there's nothing appealing about either Hina or Rui that would make me root more for one than the other. Um, I guess if I had to pick... I would say Rui because she's more of like the quote unquote normal one out of the, the, the stepsisters. And is it, I guess she did kind of cause the whole dumpster fire in the first place. But, but did she? I mean, yeah, I would say Hina is more at fault for that. And like Rui's just there kind of experimenting. She added fuel to the fire. Yeah. It started with Hina, but then Rui added some fuel, a who, lot of fuel. Yeah. Who would you pick though? Oh, I'm Team Rui. 
Okay. I've, I've always been Team Rui um, <laughs> since the beginning, since the first watch through. Uh, the second watch through confirmed that I am Team Rui. Now, don't get me wrong. They're all terrible people. Hina, yeah. Rui, Natsuo, they're all terrible. Momo is terrible. The only good person. Fucking Kiria Sensei is terrible. <laughs> Everyone's terrible. No, the only good person on the show is uh, Masayaki or Marie. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> I agree. Marie is great. Yeah, they're the, they're the only character that I really love on this show. Everyone else can can kind of go to hell. Yeah, everyone <laughs> everyone is terrible. The three protagonists are are the worst of the bunch. Like they're they're bad people because they they consciously make these decisions, right? Like all of this is happening because they allowed it to happen. None of it had to happen, or at least not in the way that unfolded. If they just were better people and made better decisions. But with that said, if I had to pick. Between Hina or Rui, definitely Team Rui. And a couple of quick thoughts on that. She's a better cook than Hina. She's mm. against Hina having an affair with a married man, understandably. Mm. But at the end of the day, you know, even when she finds out that Natsu and Hina love each other, she self-sacrifices and says, I'll just support you guys. I don't even want you to break up. I just, you know, I'll, I'll be here to support you guys. That is a, a really tough move. And Ru Rui did that, essentially. It's a class act from a blue-haired character. Yeah. <laughs> and Rui never liked a guy before and then finally falls for Natsuo. Hina on the opposite end flirts with Natsuo all the time while also being in a relationship with a married man. So it's almost like double, triple cheating here. Rui's like, I fell for you, Natsuo, and I'm committed to you all the time. Even if it means I don't get to be with you, I will still support you. Again, I'm not saying she's perfect. There's plenty that that you know we'll, we'll dissect about her that's um, in the negative aspect. But if you had to compare Rui and Hina, I'd say Rui's better. Yeah, she's the lesser of two evils, I guess. No, I'm also not saying that Rui and Natsuo are meant to be together. And that's a big issue here. I think when when somebody says, oh, I'm team Rui, you're saying that Rui should have won. Or, you know, really, really with any hair on, like, I'm team this girl, therefore she should have won. Most of the time it is that way. This time around, though, with Rui and Natsuo, I would say it's not that way. I'm just saying she's the better of the two. But I don't think she should be with Natsuo. A couple of quick reasons is because he's not in love with her. And that's fair, right? He doesn't have to be. He shouldn't force it. At the end of the day, if, if that's not who he's in love with, they shouldn't be together. But also, he treats her like shit because he uses her and indulges her when he shouldn't. And so I don't think Rui should have to go through that. I don't think any of them deserve, deserve each other. Like, they should yeah. just <laughs> break off into their own relationships um, again, I, I know how the series, like the manga ends. I'm not going to say it on here, but, you know, if in my headcanon, they should all just fuck off and do their own thing. <laughs> they should be separated uh, forcibly and permanently. But Jesse James has a second question here that says, with how much of family and lovers Hina and Natsuo were, should he have tried to pursue Hina? such as ask, look for info, um, to stay even as friends or not pursue or was not pursuing her the right move and potentially losing that relationship forever. So I think this is in reference to the end of this, the anime or even the beginning, because he tried to pursue her in the beginning, even when she kept saying, no, this is wrong or no, I'm not interested. But it says with how much of a family and lovers, Hina and not to her. So this is after oh, true. the the parents remarrying was established. Yes. So I, I kind of read this as like in the context of the ending of the anime. Okay. Hopefully we're, we're interpreting that correctly, Jesse James. But yeah, uh, I guess 
should he have done what he did um, and even have tried to stay friends or not pursue her at all, essentially, and, and just kind of let them go their separate ways forever? Um, I think it would have it was better for him not to pursue her because I think, you know, this is jumping ahead, but with Hina writing the letter to him saying like, you need to move on and, and do your thing. Like that ended up sending Natsuo in a positive direction, right? Because he was able to focus on his novel based on all of his experiences with Hina and like everyone else up until that point. I mean, and, he spiraled first, but yeah, yes, yeah, you're right. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> the, the end result is that he had a better outlook on life. And he real like we see that he didn't need her by his side at that point, uh, and and then you have Rui coming in and kind of taking his life into a completely different direction. But yeah, I, with this show, I think the what, what I wrote in my notes is like this is what happens when adolescent sexual fantasies about your hot teacher go too far, <laughs> right? And I think him not pursuing Hina at the end is him growing out of that sort of fantasy because I. I believe like everyone, myself included, you know, we had all of these things going on in our heads as we were growing up in high school. But I think eventually you learn how to grow out of those things. And that's what I think Natsuo needed is to actually grow up. Because Hina was always like, uh, like she always thought of him as a child and he wouldn't, and he shouldn't meddle in like grown up things because he didn't understand everything fully at that point. So I would say him not trying to find Hina after she left them all hanging was a good thing. Do you think similarly? Yeah, I would say it's weird because I would say if if they had to be together, right? Like there's always that quote of love conquers all or you can't help who you fall in love with. Um, obviously, there's a sizable age gap here, which is a core issue of the story between mm -hmm. Hina and Natsuo. But if you had to be together, couldn't you just agree to, I guess, set those feelings aside until Natsuo becomes an adult so that you can confirm, first of all, legally, it's okay. <laughs> and mm -hmm. secondly, that he has not grown out of this love. What if it is just young love what if it's just that teenage love that he has for her right like you don't know that because he's so right. immature he hasn't had life experiences as hina says multiple times in the show so couldn't you just have agreed to wait as difficult as that is just to wait not promise anything right because i think then you're just leading the person on or maybe grooming them in some way mm -hmm. but just say look this isn't right right now but if in the future when natsuo is in college or is you know in his 20s or whatever at that point, you could, if he still feels the same way, you could then maybe revisit the idea of being in a relationship together at that point. Which I think is kind of what happened in a, not going to name it, but an anime that you had watched recently. Koikimo. Oh, okay. <laughs> you can go out right <laughs> with it. This also happened, guess what? In Marmalade Boy, there was a, there was a teacher-student relationship in that anime. And I think they had come to a similar conclusion, which... I didn't really agree with, but like I, I would say that's a better path than you know going through the hot mess that you know Natsuo was trying to like the relationship he was trying to establish with Hina. And honestly, Natsuo, I get it. You're in love with Hina. She's the one. Whatever. He's so fucking pushy. He is incredibly mm -hmm. pushy. He like doesn't care. I think he's uh, so. It's interesting because. 
Um, some people, including Gigguk, have said that Natsuo wants everybody to be happy and cares deeply about everybody. But I think when it comes to Hina, he actually is very selfish, like very selfish. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want her to have an affair with, with this other guy. Sure, because it's wrong morally, but I think a large part of it is because he's jealous. He doesn't want her to be in a relationship at all yeah, which it's one, not with him. Which one is more moral, right? Having, yeah. a, having an affair... <laughs> Or being in love with someone, like with a minor, basically. And then on top of that, every time Hina tries to reject him, which I'm sure is difficult knowing that she has feelings for him as well, um, she's trying to make the responsible decision, which is rare for Hina. Um, she's trying to do that, and he just keeps saying, no, 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 or stop making me feel like a kid. You know, he's trying so hard to grow up that way he can just be accepted by her as a mature individual. Uh, even when, you know, I think at the, towards the end, maybe episode 11, where he shows up in her hotel room and the first thing she says is we need to break up and he's like, no, we need to stay together. And she gives her side of the, the story and he's like, okay, that's fine that you've said that, but I'm going to completely ignore it and say, no, we're going to get married actually. He's just so forceful. That's his dick talking. Well, that, that yeah, that is another good point too. <laughs> Every time they're together, he, like he immediately wants to get in her pants immediately and i'm like mm -hmm. bro you are so pushy with hina and so part of me is like yeah hina made these terrible decisions but natsuo really pressured her into doing that as well and because she cares about him and has romantic feelings it was probably even harder to tell him no so i would say he's actually pretty damn immature and irresponsible if he couldn't understand why hina kept saying no in the first place i will credit the creator of the series um kei sasuga uh for I guess that kind of captures, again, how any teenage high schooler would feel. Like once you, you feel like you're in love with something, you want to latch onto them and never let go, right? And that's yeah. that's what Natsuo is. And, you know, looking us looking at it out of um, from a, a different perspective, it is, it is kind of deplorable. But at the same time, I kind of get it. Yeah, no, we've all been there. When we were all younger, I'm sure like our first love or our first relationship, it was like the end of the fucking world when the breakup <laughs> happened. <laughs> Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm thinking back on my memories. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you like locked yourself in your room and then like never came out. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. Like not so well here, but. <laughs> well, hey, I was the same with my relationship. I thought it was the end of the fucking world the first time. Or I guess, yeah, the first time I experienced a breakup, oh, it was like... be in love. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, that, uh, it's that South Park episode that you and I... Or no, that Family Guy episode you and I always quote or joke about. Oh, the high school, uh, high school is a serious thing. These problems matter. Yeah, which is like <laughs> so funny. It's so accurate here because Natsuo thinks that his problems are the most you know intense thing in the world. And... I mean, to a certain degree, I guess they are because he's in love with an adult. But yeah. at the same time, it's like, bro, just just chill your dick. Chill your dick. It's it's yeah. going to be okay. And <laughs> yeah, you're only in high school. Just wait till college when it gets worse. It's not like Hina's going to go anywhere. You're literally family now by law. So it's okay. <laughs> Thank you, Jesse James, for that question. It, it definitely sparked some, uh, some intense debate. And I think this is going to be something we keep talking about throughout this uh, this review here. But before we jump into the synopsis and kick off the episodic review. I just want, want to reiterate one thing and kind of clarify one thing. Um, again, as trashy as this anime is, especially on my second watch, I realized that it is really entertaining to a certain degree. And I, I surprisingly didn't mind this rewatch. Part of me was hesitant because I was like, oh man, am I going to 
now that I know what's going to happen, is it going to feel as exciting as before? And I would say, yeah, it, it still kind of had this weird lewd magic to it. Um, and it's kind of that that slight excitement that you get every moment of every episode to see what crazy shit is going to happen next. And I think that really does keep it entertaining. So that's why I said earlier, there's some some aspects of the show that I think um, get clowned on unfairly. This is an entertaining show. It's it is whether you call it enjoyable or not, it's entertaining to watch. I'd have to agree. As I said earlier, the the show wasn't as bad as I had initially thought. I still think like the the worst thing I've seen in anime has to be my sister, my writer. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> but like this uh, domestic girlfriend is nowhere close to how I felt about that show. That I, was trash. Yes. Like actual trash <laughs> in terms of the writing, the content, the animation, because it's known to be one of the worst animated anime of like all time. Um, that was that was actual trash. This is just, Domestic Girlfriend is just trashy. Yeah. And I think, again, I, I give credit to Kei Sasuka, the creator, for taking something that can be seen as like outrageously heinous as as falling in love with your your step step siblings can be but injecting like the right amount of of dramatic intrigue to it where it doesn't feel like you don't feel disgusted watching the show as it it's going along like you, like I found myself kind of invested in Natsuo's story in Hina's story in Rui's story without cringing every episode and I also thought like this was going to be a, a dramatic show, which yeah, there are pieces of drama in it. I would say this is like a like watching a teenage drama on the CW, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's better than that. <laughs> it's it's a little better than that. I mean, yeah, I would say anything in anime is better than what's on the CW. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I I thought like there were a lot of great comedic moments in the show, which took me by surprise and. I don't know if we want to transition into the OP and ED, but I think a lot of my misconceptions were with being exposed to just the OP of this show initially, thanks to Hernstrom, because I know they had asked me to play a, a snippet of uh, Domestic Girlfriend's OP in a previous episode. But yeah, just to segue into the OP and ED, we have the OP, which is the song Kawaki no wait sorry, Kawaki wo Ameku, which translates to "Crying for Rain" by Minami. Which the visuals of this opening, it makes the show seem a lot more dramatic than it really is. Yeah, it's dramatic as fuck. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I kind of want to understand what's going on because you have shots of of the quote unquote harem, right? You have Hina, Rui, Momo, uh, Mew. Those are the main four, right? Was there another one? Momo and what was the blue-haired girl's name? Or the green-haired? Uh, green-haired. From the literature club. Oh, I only knew her last name. Did anyone oh. even say her first name? I caught it Ashihara? once. Oh, I think I might have caught it once. Oh. Uh, but yeah, so they're, they're all on their phones. And is it Natsuo texting each of them to like hang out with them at some point? It might be. Which is it's weird like, because I don't think Ashihara actually had feelings for Natsuo. She had feelings for Kiria Sensei. Oh right. But like they were put in weird flirtatious moments, her and Natsuo. Yeah. 
So th- that's what I interpreted with this OP, and I just thought, like, is this guy a fucking flirt? <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, you have the dramatic rain pouring, the sallow faces of these characters, and the exaggerated piano playing, and the, yeah, that who's gray playing filter. the piano? I don't Who know. Who is that? I think it's just like a random person, a I random think it, woman. It might be Hina. I don't think so because her oh. hair's not long enough. Like, she just looks distinctly different, but I don't think she's supposed to be a person. I think she's just a piano player. Okay. that's my That was my take. I, I could be wrong. Um, yeah, m- maybe it, it, it's just a, a figment, another figment of Natsuo's imagination. <laughs> but visuals aside, this song is a certified banger. <laughs> I, I, the, as soon as I heard the, that intro and then the piano kick in, like, I just, it's great. It's the one shining light of this show that I really love. And again, thank you, Hernstrom, for introducing this to me. And I've been trying to play the the introductory piano uh, piano progression. I'm still kind of rusty at it, but... I don't like well, the well, <laughs> well. I didn't in the beginning or in my first watch. I don't in the second watch. I think a lot of it is just because the singer is like overly dramatic in the way she sings and she like she's squeaky she she like breathes in very suddenly and sharply and mm. it makes me feel like i'm losing my breath listening to it i just I, there's nothing wrong with that way of that style of singing i just don't vibe with it that's probably a large reason why i don't like this op yeah you have that raspiness which i think is kind of synonymous with i don't know what genre of rock you would call this like alternative or or progressive but, emo. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I just I just like that raw emotion that comes out of the singer. And lyrics wise, taking some verses from the chorus, it's easy if it's just for fun, but doing this for real is too absurd. Even if I got my hopes up for this fixed game, even if these phrases are nothing but quotes, words that get my hopes up, let's make it all taboo. Take a hint, please don't let it rain. This song knows that this shit going on in the show is taboo. <laughs> I think that's what I took from this song. But that's okay because it is, again, on my anime Spotify playlist and I've been listening to it a lot recently. I think just for that opening piano riff. Uh, another thing, <laughs> this is just random, is I know the community has made comparisons of this OP to the OP for Tokyo Ghoul, which is Unravel. And I I love finding mashups whether it's with anime and pop songs or anime songs across other anime and i know that hernstrom has shared a piano mashup cover for domestic girlfriend and tokyo ghoul in our discord's music channel along with i think animans the youtube channel did a cover of the original op but i ended up finding a, a pretty good mashup of the Actual songs as as sung by the vocalists. Um, that a remix done by Ta- Takuma Matata. Oh, <laughs> I like that <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> and so I will share that in the Discord for anyone who wants to hear it. I think like I was like, kind of expecting something different from the mashup, but I think this is probably the best mashup of these two songs that I've heard so far. And the ED, which is called Wagamama by Alisa Takigawa. That's a that's a restaurant, isn't it? Wagamama's? Um, or like a, yes. a chain? That's Wait. what I had 
initially pictured when I heard the title of his song, but I know it means like selfish. Wagamama right? is a an Asian food inspired wait. Asian food inspired by the flavors of Japan. It's a British restaurant chain. We went there when we went to London. Remember? Oh, is that the one with like the communal tables? I believe so. I think it was like the, like the first the first restaurant we went to uh, when we arrived that evening in London. Yeah. Yeah, it was Wagamama. And it had like a, a bowl of something. Oh, yeah, I don't remember what I ate, but it was these. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so I guess that's what I was thinking when I heard the title of the song. But I think Wagamama in uh, Japanese means something like selfish, right? I think it also means indulgent, which might Mm. be the tie-in to this restaurant. I don't know for sure. Oh, okay. I I figure of all the of all the meanings behind Wagamama, I would say indulgent or self-indulgent is probably the closest to like of a food chain. Yeah, but to put in the context of the show again with the the lyrics and the chorus, it says stuff like "I become selfish towards just you. I'll lose myself more and more." I think this is basically. A song like you could say that this is written by Natsuo and just his obsession with wanting to be with Hina. So and he's selfish. Yeah. So it, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so mid-tempo rock ballad with this, just a lot of shots of of scenery in terms of the visuals. I I think it's a decent song. I know you prefer it more than the OP. I do. Yeah, I like this song better. I like the ED song better than the OP, but visuals, it's just a standard dramatic romance ending so like visually i don't i don't think there's anything different or stand out here but the song i enjoy more one more quick thing before we jump into the synopsis i do want to say i really 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 like the art style and character designs in uh domestic girlfriend i almost said rent a girlfriend <laughs> wrong rent trash a anime. domestic girlfriend <laughs> um in domestic girlfriend i would say particularly the protagonists hina and and rui especially are really pleasant to look at like some of the still images especially when they're looking very concerned very happy like when there's an emotion really being expressed um in a close-up of them i just love the way they're drawn in the anime and i think they're so nice to look at so that was one of the things i was excited to jump back into with this anime which is being able to see the art style um because i think it just it goes so well for this show um and it has a very clean realistic look at least it looks more realistic than maybe some other anime art styles and i think that plays really well into the type of like mood um or i don't know the the vibe of this anime overall yeah i can see that with rui and hina they are pleasantly drawn um i would say natsuo looks plain as fuck but I took it as, you know, this character is pretty forgettable. So why yeah, he's, even... Yeah, he's kind of bland. Like, he just has mm-hmm. regular ass hair. Like, there's yeah. nothing... There's, it's not a crazy color. Um, it's not a crazy style. It's, he's just a, a brunette so, kid. Yeah, these girls could do so much better <laughs> with somebody else. They all could do so <laughs> much better. Yeah, and, you know, animation-wise, um, who did this? The studio behind Domestic Girlfriend was... Dio Dio Media, or Dio Medea, uh, I think, because it has that little accent over one of the E's. Um, I'm not familiar with their previous works, but I know for 2022, they did Futsal Boys and Parallel World Pharmacy. Um, Yeah, the animation was was decent. Just sometimes, just like with my sister, my writer, certain times the character's eyes looked like they were too far apart or like kind of too scrunched 
close to the forehead. Yeah, there were definitely some dips in animation quality, but I would say overall it was pretty pretty solid. And looking at the lineup, what the fuck from the studio? Domestic Girlfriend is completely out of left field for them. <laughs> oh god, but there's some like hentai looking shit here, so maybe not. Uh oh, and it's got lollies. All right, let's move on from the studio. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess the last thing I'll comment on is um, I know we just talked about OP and ED. Uh, I have to give props to the music overall of this show. You know, I was expecting something more dramatic, but you know the music is quaint. Uh, composer is Masato Koda. Uh, you have a, the solemn piano tracks for the dramatic moments mixed in with these kind of upbeat, jazzy, and romantic melodies. So I guess I was just kind of glad that it wasn't all melodramatic music throughout the show, and it wasn't as forgettable as some other like romance drama slice of life uh, scores that I've heard in the past and I can't remember. All right, time to dive headfirst into the dumpster fire. Hope you're ready to get burned. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is time to immerse ourselves deep into the dumpster of degeneracy as we begin our synopsis and discussion of Domestic Girlfriend the 2019 anime adaptation of the manga series created by Kei Sasuga. Directed by Shota Ihata and animated by Dio Media, the series focuses on the completely trashy male student Natsuo as he gets caught up in a twisted love triangle with teacher Hina and classmate Rui, two sisters who have now found themselves in his unhumble and unholy abode after their parents' unlikely marriage. In episode 1, Will You Do It With Me Here?, Natsuo is hot for teacher, but goes to a student mixer to move past his nubile sexual fantasies. He ends up meeting quiet girl Rui, and they have a mixer of their own by mixing sweat and bodily fluids through their first casual sex session. But the mix gets even mixier when Natsuo learns that his dad has remarried, and his step-siblings are none other than Rui and hot teacher Hina, whom he tries to kiss in her drunken stupor. Why do I feel like I just described a Brazzers video? Ah, can you feel the <laughs> trash? I mean, within the first seconds of the show, it already has its first trashy moment. I will admit, though, the opening scene to this show was pretty unexpected and a, a very good way to hook somebody in if they're wanting to, to go for a wild ride. Like seeing Rui and Natsuo get out of bed and then all you hear is Natsuo's inner thought saying, I just lost my virginity. And then it cuts to the OP. <laughs> that is a really smart way to, to start this show because they're not trying to hide anything. They're being pretty open about what this show is going to be. Um, and they're like, here you go. And then later on, you, you get the, the bombshell that all of these characters are moving in together because their parents are getting married. And then that's where I realized... I wrote my notes, so that's why this show is a dumpster fire. Is the I, again? I, I I figured out why it's called Domestic Girlfriend at that point. <laughs> and I think I don't know if it's this episode or the next one, but Natsuo's friend, what's his face? Fumia. Yeah, Fumia. He pretty much sums it up in the best way possible. I I didn't write it down unfortunately, but he says something to the effect of like, "What your your um." Your new family is the girl you lost your virginity to, and her sister is the teacher that you are, you're in love with. Like the way he sums it up, it's just a great way to to talk about, or I guess to to um, 
it's it's the right reaction for this show because they tell you the whole premise right out of the gate and he's just like holy shit he he said what we were all thinking what the fuck it's it's as if he knows of like dumpster fire anime that this situation seems to sprout out of <laughs> uh, but yeah like with this first episode i was just really curious like what Rui's deal with or what Rui's deal is and as the show went on I kind of thought do you think Rui is sort of like the Natsuo to Natsuo's Hina I don't know kind of maybe because I would say like he kind of treats her as a bit childish because you know she's she's kind of novice to you the whole love thing and he kind of just wants to push her away or as to you what you said earlier like he kind of uses her uh, as a <laughs> like a like a like a training bike i guess when it <laughs> comes to him wanting to uh have a relationship with hina but yeah i, I think from the get-go just trying to figure out like what rui's place in all of this was something that i was curious about i i think the first episode pretty much shows us that all of these characters are terrible people in different ways so you have Hina. Hina Tachibana, by the way. It's not It's not the, the Hina Tachibana we root for. Hina Tachibana <laughs> from Tokyo Revengers is mm-hmm. the one that we root for. This Hina Tachibana is flirting with a student and like immediately spanks another student like in her introductory scene. Um, and they like, they don't have this like deep-rooted history or something. They met when she was already a teacher. So that's a big red flag. The fact that Natsuo and Hina met when she was already a teacher there was already like the uh the age gap um Mm -hmm. you know in in its in the sense that it's now becoming a legal matter (laughs) um so that's that's a that's a red flag for me um and then you know she also shows up into the kitchen area naked after bathing because she's just stupid it's like the start of her stupid decision streak she's like oh sorry i forgot that we live with two guys now but i'm like how how, why, how do you forget something like that? I know they established that she was kind of like an alcoholic, but that kind of fizzled out, I would say. To- I would say she's an alcoholic. Out. I think she just drinks a lot, as do many mm-hmm. working adults in Japan, men and women alike. Um, so I think she, yeah, she's just too off the, the handles. And this is like the start of that. And then you have Rui who wants to sleep with Natsuo for all the wrong reasons. She doesn't have anyone she likes. Um, she wants to get away from the stigma of being a virgin because she doesn't want to deal with peer pressure or being made fun of. Um, she picks the first guy she meets at this gathering, and then she's so like nonchalant and so meh about having sex for the first time. And then you have Natsuo, who agrees to having sex with Rui as a rebound for his unrequited love when he's also in love with his teacher, which again, red flags all around. And then at the end of the episode, he tries to kiss Hina while she's sleeping, which is just, no, that's, that's bad. You don't do that. Like that's bad. Yeah. As you're explaining this, cause it's been a while since we watched the first episode, but man, yeah, there's such a dumpster fire from the get go in this episode. Like they paint pretty good pictures um, in this first episode of who these characters are and that helps you to understand why this shit spirals out of control. Why these things keep happening because of who these people are. In episode two, by any chance did we do it? Natsuo tries to adjust to life with his new Brazzers stepsisters and helps Rui acclimate to social life at her new school. His helping hand is not as helpful for Hina as he tries learning more about her mysterious love life. 
Meanwhile, I'm just here trying to learn how to keep my composure watching these events unfold. Here's the problem with Natsuo. I think I mentioned this earlier. Um, and this is like a big catalyst or a big, um, this is a big like thing for him that continues to get him and others into trouble. He is a people pleaser to a fault. I get it. It's nice that he wants everyone to be happy, but he's got to draw the line somewhere and he's got to be realistic and he has to have, he needs to have the ability to say no in certain situations. Like in this episode, he should have told Rui no to coming into the bathroom, but he complied with her request when she was like, well, you've already seen me naked. I don't know if that necessarily makes it okay, right? Like you're you're still in this situation coming out of, you know, the fact that you both lost your virginity to each other. Um, I would say he should have told her no. That's like the culture in Japan, right? For siblings to bathe with each other for siblings that grew up together uh, i believe mm. i could be wrong i obviously didn't grow up in that culture but my understanding is yeah like when kids are, are little um they'll like families will bathe together that's totally normal but this is different because they just became family yeah, and before that they had sex so I, right. <laughs> <laughs> and he you know he you know he's, he's a horn dog he's a a teenager um so there's just so many I think there's too much at risk here for this to be going down. Yeah, and as much as you know, Natsuo like is a people pleaser, and like I think early in the episode he had tried to help Rui with uh, being more social um, in her new environment at a new school. Uh, yeah, he does flirt the line, especially in that shared bath scene between being a womanizer and being a gentleman. Yeah. And there is a moment later in the episode when Natsuo is helping Rui get some friends um, when she transfers to, to his school. And again, that shows his desire to help people. And that is a great thing. He just needs to set up boundaries. And that's where he constantly fails. In episode three, is it true after all? Natsuo learns of Hina's nefarious love affair with a married man and thinks the best way to talk her out of it is to plant a big one on her lips which I guess works because she reciprocates in turn because this show is fucked and there's no way around it. Hina dismisses Natsuo, however, for being childish, driving him to stay at a close friend's house until Rui swoops in to discuss Operation Unlove Hina. So I feel like episode three played out like an actual soap opera because Natsuo goes to talk to Hina about the affair and then ends up forcing himself on her with a kiss. Because again, mm -hmm. he's selfish. Why did he think that was a good idea? I don't fucking know. Um, and then Hina shoves him off of her, slaps him, but then goes and kisses him back, which is again, very much a soap opera move. And then she forces him onto the bed, rips open his shirt like she's going to mount him, but then stops and says, see, you're afraid. You have the eyes of a child still. Like, bitch, just because you're older doesn't mean you're mature, especially when you're having an affair and then like, you know, slamming your stepbrother on the bed and like you're like about to do something to him. <laughs> taking advantage of him at that point, I, too. It was weird. The whole scene was just like, what is happening? Do you like it? Do you not like it? What is going on? Also, one question that I have lingering throughout this whole series is, how thick are the walls in this house? <laughs> because no one hears any of this going on in Hina's bedroom. And I know later on, like, Natsuo sneaks a peek inside Hina's uh, bedroom when she, you know she's oh yeah we'll get to that that's doing sure. that like no one hears anything that's going on like why apparently not and in this scene <laughs> Hina and Natsu I think are like actually arguing at least in the beginning right mm -hmm. he's he's pointing fingers at her about the affair and whatnot someone had to have heard that 
Yeah, but you know, I think the parents are just too enamored with each other to even worry about that or even know what's going on with their kids. That that's an anime trope, like absent parenting. Right? Yeah. Well, actually, in the beginning of this show, I really liked um, the the father and mother, especially the father. He just seems like a really cute, like happy, you know, wholesome kind of dad. But then as the show went on, and they we'll get to it, but when they finally um, hear that Natsu and Hina were in a relationship, their reaction to it and just everything after that, I'm like, maybe they are really stupid. <laughs> maybe they're dumb mm-hmm. as well. Um, and that's, you know, part of maybe their parenting is what led this all to unfold. Yeah, perfect example of the quote, the sins of the father are to be laid upon the children because they're all sinful beings. <laughs> they're all trying to get <laughs> laid with each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I guess one thing I just noticed is just how gratuitous the kissing scenes are in the show. Like, I'm surprised. Maybe because, you know, in rom-coms, they always have to build up to that moment. But it feels like every other episode you see Natsuo kissing one of the, the female leads. Yeah, it's spicy. There, there's mm-hmm. a lot of spice. It is, um, it's the stuff that keeps you on the edge of your seat and makes you wonder what the fuck could happen next. Yeah. I, I also just think that it, it's really, it discredits the romantic feelings as the show goes on. Like, I know that Natsuo is just madly in love with Hina, but to to have all of, like, these moments, it you know what I mean? Like, it kind of just diminishes what he f- feels as, like, true romance should be. Yeah, it makes it feel more like he just wants to get into her pants. Right. Versus, like, he wants to be with her physically versus versus him being genuinely in love with her. Or even with Rui, because I know later on she, she asks uh, Natsuo to kiss her and make out with her multiple times. I think just for the feeling of it, rather than having that close emotional connection with someone that you truly want to be with. I think they all don't understand what love is. Maybe that's yeah. the problem here. Maybe maybe we just solved or we just uh, found the core problem of domestic <laughs> girlfriends. None of them actually understand love. Yeah, it's that like 80s song by Foreigner, I want to know what love is. Yeah. That's what, <laughs> that's what these characters embody. In episode four, and what about you? Natsuo and Rui commence Operation Unlove Hina to no avail until fate conveniently brings the Brazzers' step-siblings and her lover at the local cafe. Soap operatic events ensue, leading Hina to propose to lover boy Shu that they should call it quits for a bit. The next day, the Brazzers' step-siblings make amends by visiting the grave of Natsuo's mother, and I am sure she is rolling over and over in it right now. This episode sucked, not going to lie. The pacing was super weird for most of it. The animation had some quality issues. Um, The first part was just really, really boring with Natsuo and Rui stalking Hina um, for only for her and her boyfriend to then walk into the cafe that they were hanging out at. I mean, I get it. Like Natsuo's friend Fumia did tell them earlier that Hina had been there before with this guy but i'm like oh, okay so what was the point of everything that they did for the last several days apparently and then on top of that the conversation with rui natsuo hina and shu was just like so dramatic like too dramatic again it had very much a soap opera feel to it <laughs> yeah with the water in his face yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then at, afterwards after this whole ordeal shu just straight up says to hina natsuo was in love with you and then ask her if she's in love with him too. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, why? Why? This is like not a normal 
uh, set of events. This is not how like human beings typically act. This is how they act when they're filming a soap opera. Or a teenage CW drama. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, really quick shout out though to Shu's voice actor who just so happens to be the same voice actor as Kakyoin from part three of Jojo. Oh, you're right. Daisuke Hirakawa. Yup. It's weird. It was weird hearing him. And I'm like, I, I couldn't unhear Kakyoin the entire time. Well, you know, they voice someone else in a certain show. Oh, my God. <laughs> Maybe he's it. got a track record with being in trashy anime. <laughs> uh, well, Jojo is not trashy. Oh, but... no, yeah. That's that's like the, the highlight maybe um, of his, his works. I actually don't know what else he's done other than Jojo, Domestic Girlfriend, and then the one other anime. And if you're curious to know what we're talking about, just take a quick look at, at his, uh, his uh, list of voice acting roles. One will stand out, I'm sure. If you're an anime fan and you've been around the block, once you see this title, you'll know what we're talking about. But another VA standout, which I don't know if their character, this was the character's first appearance, might have been in the previous episode, is with the character... Uh, Masayaki, or or as they prefer to be called, Marie. Uh, Kenjiro Suda, my boy. It's it's kind of strange hearing him in like use this kind of like flamboyant voice for his, his character. But as I said, I think Masayaki is my favorite character on the show. Just you know, like they're just there observing the events and giving their their two cents. Um, but in this episode, I think Masayaki was kind of offering solace in how nice it must be to be young and in love seeing um Natsuo and and Hina try to figure out how to break up the affair and wait then... Natsuo and Rui try to break up <laughs> sorry Natsuo and Rui <laughs> try to break up uh, Hina's affair and then yeah unexpectedly she walks in with her lover in this cafe one thing I'm surprised we haven't brought up yet um are the title cards at the end or like the the preview cards at the end yeah. of each episode because you just had like the worst reactions to those every time they came up because the the episode episode the episode previews quote unquote are just like the title cards for the next episode are like a a, a sexy woman basically just like, like all her these tits yeah, or her ass women her in thighs. lingerie and it's not i don't think it's animated it just looks like pictures that someone took out of a pinup magazine and then they'll slap the, <laughs> the episode on <laughs> on the ass cheek or on the tit and every time one came up you're like oh god <laughs> like, yeah, I, think, yeah, like, why? I think every single episode you reacted that way <laughs> like why, why use this as the preview you know like, what it, it works for this trashy dumpster fire I, mm. I think it's it's appropriate whether or not it, it's good i think it's appropriate for this show yeah i guess <laughs> And then you have the wrap up at the end where they all visit the um, Natsuo's mother's gravesite, and we're expected to think, "Oh yeah, there'll be a, a great family after this." Like, no, that just complicates. <laughs> and again, I can't imagine what Natsuo's mother must think. She's probably screaming from heaven, like, "Get the fuck away from my son! <laughs> yeah. Get away from him!" <laughs> or just like slapping the daylights out of your son for just doing all of these things. <laughs> In episode five, is it okay if I fall for him? As if this horrendous hoghead needed a harem, Natsuo befriends Momo, who's had more relationships than breads in her life, with Natsuo in tow as her next serving. But unlike his predecessors, Natsuo treats her right, 
though he says the likelihood of them dating is akin to him shoving a pill up someone's ass. Which, with this episode, is actually pretty fucking likely. Okay, so yeah, they introduce Momo, and that's a whole fucking roller coaster in and of itself. (laughs) Like, Natsuo, the fucking people pleaser, gives in to her advances and lets her flirt with him, and then even agrees to go to her house and fuck. All the while she's undressing him, he's actively thinking about how he's going to intentionally use her to get over Hina. And I'm like, what the fuck? It does end on a heartwarming note when he stops everything and decides to eat dinner with her and be there for her, given, you know, he saw like the the scars on her wrists and realizes that she comes from a very um, unhappy home life and she's probably trying to fill that void with men or or boys rather, essentially. Um, But at the end of that whole heartwarming scene, she still wants to go out with him. She's like, why won't you be my boyfriend? I'm like, oh my God, what is wrong with you people? (laughs) Yeah, I, th- I wrote in my notes here, like, the, the three female leads or female characters that we've been introduced to so far, like, have different motivations for love, whereas Momo is just waiting for the next best thing. Rui is trying to discover the meaning of love, and Hina is grasping for love. But they're all going to the wrong person in Natsuo, in this case. <laughs> as much of a people pleaser as he is, I don't think he can provide for any of them. Which I, I'm glad he admitted to uh, to Momo because I think he said something along the lines of they shouldn't date people that they're so emotionally connected, like strongly emotionally connected to. But he's doing the exact same thing with Hina. That's what you call a hypocrite. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. But the most important part of this episode and uh... possibly of the entire series is when Rui gets sick and not only does Natsu agree to like wash her back while she's naked, you know, cause that's them, I guess. He also agrees to spread her cheeks and insert a suppository into her asshole. Thankfully they didn't show it to us, but they pretty much confirmed that it happened. And I have never in my life heard of a suppository being used to help with a fever. So I had to Google it. And I'm like, is there some legitimacy here? And apparently there is a medicine called Feverol. And when I looked it up on Google, it said, Feverol is given as a suppository to treat many conditions such as headache, muscle aches, arthritis, backache, toothaches, colds, and fevers. I did. I was like, there's no fucking way there's a suppository for fevers or that that's the go-to for fevers but uh, today i learned something or whenever i researched this that's when i learned something you know the only other show where i've seen a suppository being used was south park with butters and Osamo. <laughs> and i was hoping that was like the only instance that i would have to see a suppository in a show it's just weird because there's so many other medicines out there for mm-hmm. fevers and yeah. so many other ibuprofen yeah and, and every, i mean pretty much every slice of life anime has a moment where some character come you know gets gets uh gets a fever gets sick right and it has to be taken care of at home and in none of those shows have i ever seen a suppository be used usually it's like some nice soup um a cold towel on the forehead some medicine a lot of fluids but no here they went right for the asshole (laughs) (laughs) i'll i'll give credit to the show because you know when they have these lewd scenes like if the characters are having sex or if 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 one of them is shoving a pill up at the other's ass you never see it it's always you jump to the next scene 
I don't know if that's the case in the manga because I know Giga mentioned that the manga has the explicit scene. Has titties? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I'm curious to know if like the suppository scene is presented in its entire glory. Like you actually see Natsu spread those cheeks? Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> see, see the pill going. Oh, God. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't. I hope no one answers that question, but I, I'm just curious. But no, you're right. I think that's what... That's what separates this from like a true trash anime is that they actually went pretty tastefully. They went down a tasteful route with all of the spicy moments in this show. Mm-hmm. Like all of them. I can't think of a single one that that's um that I thought was like too much. O- obviously it's too much in a certain sense, but like it wasn't too much. I'll say episode 7. Episode 7? <laughs> you know. Shoo. Oh, that. <laughs> well okay even that was like not super crazy yeah. compared to some other shit we've seen in anime so i'm not saying it was great but like overall i feel like they they went the tasteful route with all of the lewd and spicy and trashy moments in here which i mm-hmm. think is why i feel like there needs to be a little more credit given to this show but maybe the manga's not the same way i don't know in episode six right here and now try to kiss Natsuo and Rui haphazardly join the literature club after the former is caught by the sponsoring teacher, Kiria, stealing a book from the library. Add Kiria to the list of unsettling teachers in this show, though, as he forces Natsuo and club member Miyu to kith in the name of research. Though Natsuo has enough sense to know that at least this thing ain't right out of all the things in this show. Not the thing where Hina asks to go on a date with him, though. That thing still feels right to him. Yeah, okay. Um, I just realized every time you say Natsuo, it sounds like you're saying Natsuo. No, I am purposely saying Natsuo. <laughs> oh, okay, Natsuo. I was like, am I hearing this right? <laughs> for, the sy- for synopsis purposes. This okay, guy is nuts. I was like, am I hearing this correctly? Okay, yes, thank you for, for confirming that. Um, so yeah. These Natsuo. These Natsuo. <laughs> Um, Kiria Sensei is a weirdo and he has dead eyes, so he, he just weirds me out all around. Um, he makes some like weird advance at Natsuo when he's first introduced. Like it's too too close physically to Natsuo, and then Natsuo, I think, misinterprets what's going on between uh Kiria Sensei and what the fuck is her name? Ashihara, when he gets too physically close to her as well, but apparently um she was just trying to get an eyelash off of his face. I don't know. Sure. And then Kiria Sensei says, hey, you guys should kiss right in front of me, right here, right now. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, he he praises Natsuo for stopping it in the moment, but Natsuo was really fucking close to doing it. And Ashihara agreed to do it. Like, what if they actually went through with it? What would you have done as a teacher? You should have been fired if you encouraged two students <laughs> to have um, a moment where they kiss each other against their will, essentially. He would have been like, oh, yeah. It's just, it was so <laughs> weird. I'm like, am I supposed to respect this guy? Is he supposed to be some sort of like edgy teacher who uses weird techniques to teach life lessons to students? Like, no, this is weird, dude. What are you doing? I think he, he wanted them to do it because like he knew that they had interest in like romance novels. No, I understand yeah. why he wanted to do it, know, but there yeah. are other methods no, that right. would make so much more sense. Yeah. Like I, I know he was trying to say like you need to draw from life experiences in order to know what to put in these romantic novels, but 
Yeah, you can't put kids on the spot like that. I, I don't know if it's if he just has a weird kink, but, yeah. but then he's like, uh, because like again, when Natsu refuses to do it after he almost does it, Kiria Sensei's like, ah, oh, good. So th- this shows the character that you have. You're a good person. I'm like, but what if he actually went through with it? What would your reaction have been then? Like, ah, oh, mm. good. This this fuels me. This is nice and lewd. Like, like what? <laughs> what was gonna be the reaction at that point? It's like, oh, good. You're a trashy boy. Use that <laughs> in your novels. I think the saving grace of this episode, though, and a lot of episodes, is Rui's pout face. I think her pouting face is one of the best in anime. It's so, so fucking kind of cute. a meme face, right? Yeah, I think it, it's definitely used. Like, there's the one image I can't remember which which pout face um, it is, but her hers is uh, definitely used in memes often. I think I found one. I'll send it to you. I, this is the one face I remember. She has a really small pouty mouth. Yeah, that one. That one's a classic. I love her pout face. It's so fucking cute. Um, and she does that because she's starting to get jealous and is starting to fall for Natsuo, um, which makes sense because this harem keeps growing. Also, going back to that that kissing scene, I don't know if you caught this, but it, it's kind of hypocritical that Natsuo, you know, like being the gentleman that he is, he decides not to go through with the kiss and says something along the lines of he isn't into forcing love on others like that. And yet. Yes. <laughs> Right? Did you get that same vibe? Yeah, I was like, again, you're a fucking hypocrite <laughs> because how many times have you forced yourself onto Hina or pressured her into making a decision that played in your favor even when she is like morally struggling with, with the whole situation? Mm-hmm. So it's like, do as I say, not as I do. And again, as much I... as I shit on Hina, like, yeah, that's a really tough position to be in. Um, but also, like, she still could have said no. Right. If she were actually a responsible adult... You know, she deals with grown-up things, unlike Natsuo. She, yeah, she would she would know the proper way to address this, but... But she's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> They're all stupid. In episode 7, this is what it means to go out together, you know. Teacher and student have an excursion to Enoshima where they discuss the risks that their relationship poses. Like, that's really going to put a stop to anything later on, though. What should be stopped, however is whatever godforsaken thing I witnessed Hina doing face down, ass up, in her bedroom under those sheets because it sure wasn't the downward dog pose. This, yeah, this episode. <laughs> what the fuck? Went from pleasant to... Not even. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, they're, they're enjoying their trip out wherever and then, yeah, they have the, the conversation on the beach and then it just went into, like, Pornhub mode. <laughs> so, yeah, it starts off with Hina taking Natsuo out for like a not date um, and Natsuo then confesses to her finally and she responds by faking a double suicide um, and then he uh, still calls her sensei which I know even though they're family and she's told him before to call her something less formal he still can't do it because he sees her as his superior which is again playing into this whole age gap thing and that being a problem um, and I, I don't know like I think watching this episode really solidified for me that I think he has way better and more natural chemistry with Rui because they see each other as equals and get Mm. along much better. Whenever Natsuo is interacting with Hina, he's almost like a puppy following around his master. And there's this like gap present between them. And I think a lot of it is because there is an age gap. But it's just like, I don't know, it just feels like they're out of each other's leagues. Um, and, And that, I don't know, there's just something more natural and... 
better about Rui and her interactions with Natsuo. Like they just, they vibe better. Maybe that's just me being biased because I'm team Rui, but that's what I felt. Yeah. And the, I know there's this scene later on where after uh, his conversation with Hina, uh, Rui wants, like she goes into his room asking if they can share a first kiss together. And he, I think he does it with Rui out of spite against Hina's words previously. Which is terrible. Uh, yeah. Uh, although I don't think Rui, I don't know if it's it was like she was trying to establish a romantic connection because she says like she just loves the secrecy of it and just the relief it feels to like connect with someone like that. Um, but I guess what I was thinking about with this is uh, I, I kind of agree with what Hina was saying about the conversation at the beach where, you know, it would be like as dangerous as a double suicide if they were to go out in public together. Uh, and then like one, it's weird that, you know, how can you go from that to trying to establish your relationship just as siblings from that point onwards? Uh, but then like she kind of falls back on her words, on her words when they do have a relationship um, in, the, in the next like the the last four episodes of the series. Yeah, you're right. I think she was really trying to like pound into Natsuo's head. This is not right. And even an extreme move like that, like taking him out to sea as if they were going to have a double suicide, still didn't get him to back the fuck mm -hmm. off. Um, but as far as Rui goes, like we all know she's socially awkward and she wants to kiss Natsuo because she's never kissed a boy um, and is probably trying to validate whether her feelings for him are legit. Mm. And then he gives in and says yes as another means, as you said, to try and get over Hina. I'm like, dude, that's so mean. Like, you you did that to Momo. You're about you're gonna use her to try and get over Hina, and then here you are using Rui to also try to get over Hina. I'm like, what the yeah. fuck? You're so selfish. <laughs> yeah, I get he. I, I feel at the end of the day, he really does care about their happiness. But again, he shouldn't be saying yes to something in a self-serving manner, especially when it has a direct impact on the other person. Yeah, especially because they're all under the same roof too. Like, yeah. And speaking okay. of being under the same roof, we have uh, that lovely end uh, scene of this episode where Natsuo unintentionally peeps on Hina masturbating in her room with the door ajar. Like, who the fuck forgets to close their door when they're doing something like that? Hina is so dumb. And then overhears her say, Shusan. And I'm like, oh, well, there you go, Natsuo. If the double suicide didn't solidify it for you, will this? <laughs> You know, the, the the great thing about this scene is that they put this solemn, this slow, romantic ballad over this instead of like the bounce. <laughs> <All right. laughs> uh, and I think it's the VA for Hina that actually sings the song, uh, Yoko Hikasa. And the title is Hakanai Kiss de Owara Sete. I don't know what that translates to, um, but it's. Yeah, it's a, I guess it's a sad song. Cold lies so cold they freeze my heart. Don't look at me so kindly and with a soft kiss instead. I think it's just kind of symbolizing Hino's conflicted feelings again, well, with Natsuo and her just trying to, to whack it off to Shu instead to take her mind off things. But yeah, that was, that was a great ending to this episode. And I, <laughs> I love like the next morning, 
There's a shot of Nacho looking at Hina's hand as she's leaving the house. <laughs> yeah, and then like, he gets well, all flustered. I'm like, bro. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where has that hand been? <laughs> In episode eight, then I don't have to be an adult. Natsuo befriends American transfer student Alex after they team up against a serial panty raider. Probably the most normal way that Natsuo has met a character yet in this show. Rui is upset by Alex's romantic advances and makes Natsuo apologize for their friendship by having a makeout session that Hina, of course, walks into for a certified dumpster fire moment. Hina moves out as a result. But she and Natsuo make up at a shrine festival because their degeneracy is their number one priority. Oh boy, the show is trashy. Um, Rui understandably gets upset when Natsuo tries to set her up with Alex, but then she expects a kiss as an apology, and Natsuo agrees, and then even tries to cop a feel on top of that. I'm like, what the fuck? Honestly, I think Rui should have been with Alex. He would have uh, treated her better, and he was genuinely interested in her, but nothing ever happened. Did you read the manga at all? No, absolutely oh, not. <laughs> okay. I was just wondering because I forgot which shows you had read the manga for after watching them. Not this. So that's okay. why I'm like, Alex should have been the one to steal Rui's heart. Um, but unfortunately, it didn't pan out that way in the anime anyway. Uh, and then Hina fucking walks in. Even though at this point, everyone in the show has always knocked first before coming into anybody's room. So here she just she doesn't doesn't do that. She just opens the door and walks in to see them fucking kissing and not so almost about to touch Rui's tit. Plus, these two idiots left the door ajar. Like what the fuck is with this family and not completely closing their doors when they're about to do something really lewd? What the hell, man? <laughs> mhm. And no one heard this beforehand either. Yeah, I don't with fucking the door know. Ajar. <laughs> and I like how uh Hina's holding a book called Fate. As she's walking in, like, ooh, yeah. what a metaphor. <laughs> and then Hina finally makes a mature and responsible decision and decides to move out, but then makes the worst decision and basically indirectly confesses her feelings for Natsuo at the festival. And I'm like, damn, I feel bad for Rui, but also they're all really dumb. <laughs> yeah. I wrote a note here, like, Natsuo's just stringing both of these girls along, and it's just sad to see. And also, where the hell was Rui during that whole festival thing? Like, she just went some went off somewhere, and I don't I don't know if I caught why. And that's what led to Hina and Natsuo having time alone. Yeah, I don't know. I think when Hina dropped her phone in the water and was by herself, Natsuo just like happened upon her. So I don't think they I don't think they made it clear as to why Rui wasn't with him. Um, but it's probably because he was just gonna look for Hina anyway. Mm-hmm. Best part about this episode, though, is, of course, Masayaki. They're wearing a jock strap. This is a part of the festival, and it's in front of the co- co-worker's young son. And they're just <laughs> wearing it like nothing. I just, I just love it. In episode 9, Don't Say That, Please, Rui runs into Hina's ex-lover, Shu, freshly divorced but with no intentions to hook back up with Hina unless she comes crawling back. Meanwhile, Natsuo invites himself to Hina's new apartment, so they can have all the makeout sessions they want, aka everything just short of an official Facebook relationship status. It's so clear, especially in this episode, how hesitant Hina is, probably probably because what they're doing is bad. Um, she even says at one point she's a failure as an adult and as a teacher, and I'm like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> but it's it makes it awkward almost. I can't get invested 
in their relationship. I cannot get invested in the romance between Hina and Natsuo because of how uncomfortable she is knowing how wrong it is. Like she, mm -hmm. she can't even get invested in it. If she can't get invested in her own relationship, how am I supposed to get invested in their relationship? And I just see this as like Natsuo treating it as a, as a sort of kink. Like, oh, I can have this sort of secret relationship with a teacher or with my stepsister. And he kind of gets a high off of that. So, you know, the, the fact that he gets excited, like she, he gets the keys to her place so he can just be a horn dog. So it's, yeah, it's hard to really root for their relationship when it's, it's something that's not set properly. Yeah, and I, I slightly disagree. I don't think Natsuo is driven by the idea of being with his stepsister or being with a teacher or being with an older woman, like the, the forbidden love type of thing. I think he genuinely does love Hina. Love Hina, God. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that anime. Um, I, I think he genuinely has feelings for her. Um, it's just, does she feel as genuine as he does, at least in this moment? And... I think the fact that she's so hesitant, plus the fact that he tries to immediately get into her pants every chance that he gets because he's a horny teenage boy, all of that just makes it feel so weird. Like the relationship yeah. is just weird. In episode 10, liar! <laughs> <laughs> Natsuo continues his horny house calls at Hina's high rise, but also learns that Kiria's pen name is that of his literary idol. A series of unfortunate or maybe fortunate events leads to Mio accidentally causing Natsuo to break his leg, ending his horny house calls for now while Rui takes care of him, though she eventually learns the truth about his delightful degeneracy. All I have to say about this episode is poor Rui. Natsuo kept lying to her and all she wanted to do was take good care of him. And she did a damn good job at that. I mean, the whole like bathing thing was kind of weird, I guess. But um, she did take a, a, a good, she did take a good, she did take good care of him, um, knowing that he couldn't get around very well with his leg in a cast. Um, and then, yeah, he, he goes and fucking lies to her, breaks her heart. Um, at least she got to slap him. I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, slap his ass. <laughs> oh, I mean, <laughs> not like that. I meant like slap his, slap his fucking face. <laughs> his ass face. Oh, God, this, this show is getting me uh, all yeah. sorts of confused. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's the thing of like you you don't know what you have till it's gone with, with Rui. And that just makes me think like, Maybe we just we discussed this earlier, but like, what redeeming qualities does Hina have that makes Natsuo so interested in her that Rui doesn't have? Exactly. That's why I'm Team Rui. I'm like <laughs> Rui is better in every fucking aspect. Mm -hmm. She can even make better decisions, not all the time, but often makes better decisions than fucking Hina does. Yeah, because he time and again he wants to prove to Hina that he is uh, mature as a an adult but we've talked about hina not being the responsible adult adult that she touts herself to be yeah it's like yeah again i, I don't root for anyone like either side but like yeah i think rui would have a better chance of a relation a, a proper relationship with natsuo but he just he doesn't see what's in front of him oh and then <laughs> forgot <laughs> the the scene where Rui's yeah taking care of him and then she accidentally grabs his chin chin oh that was pretty funny it was, it was body soap <laughs> that was great um and maybe that's you know revenge for Natsuo thinking with the wrong head hey. <laughs> 
in episode 11, Are You Sure? Natsuo comes clean to Rui about his relationship with Hina, and though she plans an eternal shunning of her Brazzers step-siblings, she later accepts their feelings because you can't stop the smell from a dumpster fire no matter how hard you try. The class goes on a trip to Okinawa to fulfill their beach episode obligations, where Natsuo sneaks in some sexy time with Hina, and they affirm their commitments to each other. Too bad they didn't consider TMZ was also in Okinawa, snapping shots of their sexcapade to send their school into scandal. Justice for Rui. She's dumb sometimes and just as bad of a person as Hina and Natsuo, but I still feel bad for her. She got rejected. She cried and felt horrible. And then in the end, made up with her sister and made the biggest self-sacrifice play by saying she'd accept their relationship and that she doesn't even want them to break up. They don't deserve her. <laughs> they're, they're too terrible to her and she's too nice to them. Although she wanted to just shun... Uh, Natsuo for like the rest of their life. Right? But she admitted that that was a self-defense mechanism oh, to protect mm. herself from being hurt. So it's not mm -hmm. like she was doing it, uh, I don't know, being petty yeah. or immature. She, right, it's a, she's socially awkward, right? Like she's, mm -hmm. she's a weird person. So it's weird that she even told him that to begin with. Um, but she doesn't even say it in like a very snarky or cold yeah, way she, she rationalizes just, it yeah it's mm. very matter of fact saying i'm just gonna dislike you because i'm just protecting myself from getting hurt f further but even then doesn't fully commit to it because i think her and natsuo interact fine later on in the episode okay i'm starting to feel more sympathetic towards Rui as we have <laughs> these discussions because yet earlier I, I was just like she just she's still in that like in experimental stage about like uh, love and uh, like I, I think the one thing I can falter on is like, why are you falling for this fuck up? But yeah, she she gets the short end of the stick a lot, and I I can't help but root for her in these moments for for being the bigger person. But again, Rui can can make better decisions for the most part than Hina, and has better foresight um, and better awareness than Hina. Like Hina's just dumb sometimes. Even in this episode, Rui calls her out on her swimsuit being indecent for a teacher. Mm. Your younger sister should not be telling you this if you're the mature, responsible adult. Uh, so yeah, I just I think that Hina is just dumb. Uh, and yeah, then, close the curtains in your hotel. Window. Yeah, they leave the door ajar. <laughs> they leave the curtains open. Like, what the fuck? And yeah, so they, they bang. Hina and Natsuo bang. And then he makes the moment awkward as fuck afterwards by telling Hina, admitting to Hina that he saw her. He peeped on her masturbating to the thought of Shu. And then, not only that, he goes and adds that he jerked off to it afterwards. Like, what the fuck? That is so fucking awkward to say after mm -hmm. you finally got to sleep with the love of your life like what a way to ruin the moment no i think this is just a reminder that natsuo is a high school boy he does not know how to behave deal, yeah <laughs> behave or just be responsible in these situations oh, he is so, so awkward dumb. like what the i i could i was like no i felt I felt the embarrassment that Hina was feeling yeah, in that uh, moment. I would just yeah. she's mortified and I felt that. <laughs> and then the whole thing with the souvenir ring. Like that also felt just so so cheesy. cheesy. <laughs> like, yeah, that's something that I would imagine a teenager doing like oh like a promise ring so that they can be faithful to each other. And Hina falls for it cuz like yeah, we've established she's kind of stupid, but 
Yeah, all of this just screams like I know that this episode was trying to frame all of this as like a a great moment for them as a couple, but thinking outside the box, like this just checks off everything on the this is wrong list. <laughs> this is awkward and only cringy teenagers would do this. But mm-hmm. again, to the credit of the show, to the credit of the creator and the writing, the fact that they could so perfectly convey the stupid things that a teenager would do and say, especially in these moments, like a cheap promise ring, like, or, or again, saying that you jerked off to somebody after you finally had sex with them. It, it that's, that is really good writing in a weird mm-hmm. way. Like it's it's awkward to say, but that is good writing because I felt exactly how stupid and young and immature <laughs> right. Natsuo was in that moment. Yeah. So credit to Kei Sasuga for really getting into the head of an adolescent. Otherwise, we wouldn't be screeching at the screen right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to admit, like when... Was it the head teacher uh, and the principal call Hina into the office and shows the incriminating evidence? I think I just said like, yes, like at the <laughs> end. I was like, yes, this is what you deserve. This is what will help you get back on the quote unquote right track. But also this is exactly what Hina was warning Natsuo about. Right. And even then she protects him in the next episode. We'll see. She protects him. And I'm like, but does he deserve to be protected? No, because it's actually kind of, so it's both of your faults, but it's a little more his fault because he kept pushing it. He kept pressuring you into doing this thing that eventually got busted. And now Hina has to bear all of the uh, all of the consequence. And speaking of the final episode, episode 12, I'm sorry, I love you. Wanting to avoid any PR mishaps, Hina decides to transfer to a different school and cut off all connections with her family, sending Natsuo drowning in an indescribable emptiness. Kiria and friends encourage him to convert his depression into writing an essay, That's What I Say, which earns him a literary prize, because people must really love reading about other people's demises. Natsuo returns home and mistakes Rui's Hina cosplay as the real deal, leading to the remaining Brazzers' step-siblings to have a heart-to-heart where Rui plans to have Natsuo all to herself. Meanwhile, in a dumpster fire far, far away, a short-haired Hina delights in the success of her ex-step-lover's novel achievement, Well, See You, the exact words I wish my memory could say to having experienced the absolute state of this dumpster fire of a show. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so first issue. Hina is just transferring schools. Should, should she even still be a teacher after all of this? Mm-hmm. Why is she still teaching? Why is this the only consequence that she just transfers schools? I don't know. And then second issue, their parents find out the truth, but don't seem too concerned about the fact that Natsuo and Hina were having sexual relations with each other. They're more so concerned that, that their son is depressed, which I get that is concerning, but I'm like, shouldn't you also be addressing the other elephant in the room? Oh, yeah, that's true. Unless, like, they just, I think what they're so focused on is that they feel at fault because they were the ones that got married in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> like, everything else is, like, um, like not as not as severe as that. Which, yes, I think they're at fault. But, yeah, bigger scheme of things, y- your children are having sex with each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then another issue. 
so Rui continues to be supportive and awesome, especially supporting Natsuo. Um, and then at the end of the episode, suddenly is like, all bets are off. Hina is gone and I'm not holding back for her sake anymore. Now that I've gotten a taste of what it's like to be loved by Natsuo. And I'm like, holy shit, Rui, why? This is this is when you're making dumb decisions, Rui. As much as I love you and I root for you, this is why I still think you're a terrible person. Um, mm. I will say I did find the catalyst for this scene, which is uh, Rui wearing a wig that makes her look like Hina and then Natsuo hugs her thinking it's Hina, right? I felt like that was kind of lazy writing. Um, I don't know a good alternative, so maybe it was just the best that the creator could come up with to get to that point, that end point of Rui feeling and wanting to keep feeling Natsuo's love. Mm -hmm. But I was like, all she said was, oh, uh, I wanted to see what I'd look like with long hair, so Momo gave me a wig. But like Momo happened to give you a wig that looks exactly like Hina's hair and you happen to be wearing it at, at the house. And not not only that, but you're also wearing an outfit that only fucking uh, Hina would wear. So I'm like, I don't know. It, it felt a little lazy. Like we just need something to get them from point A to point B. That, that That's kind of that's kind of what it felt like. Mm, I feel like it, it's it's kind of within Rui's lane at this point. Like I feel like everything... Like her whole outfit was was of course intentional, even though when Natsuo calls her Hina by accident, she still has that visceral reaction. Because um, I think yeah, to your point like Hina's out of the picture now, and so Rui sees this as an opportunity to have Natsuo all for herself and to try to convince him like to to lose or like to completely separate himself from Hina. But. I see where you're going with that, but the issue with that is um, it wasn't until Natsuo hugged Rui that she mm. suddenly felt, oh, this is what it's like to be loved by you. I want that. And because I want that, I'm not going to hold back anymore. I'm going to go after what I want. So I don't think she was wearing the wig to get him or to prompt him to hug her. It's not the vibe I got. Uh, I could be wrong. But I think what really kind of solidified her decision to go after Natsuo was the fact that she got a taste of what it's like to be loved by him. Hmm. Okay. But again, I could be wrong. You're right. Rui does some fucking weird shit. So <laughs> I don't know what, what what that was all about. Yeah. And then it's just, I don't know if it's ironic that it's Hina. We see her at the, the different school, her hair having been cut off, maybe as a symbol of her finally being independent. Or trying and... to hide her identity after she slept with a minor. <laughs> yeah, that, that too. <laughs> Um, so it's it's funny that Natsuo says one thing about thinking that uh, Rui was actually Hina, where Hina has changed her look. Not that a change in hairstyle is going to affect Natsuo's true feelings for her, but yeah, it's uh, a, a new page for these characters and maybe not a page that is refreshing. <laughs> well, the, the drama goes on, I assume, after this, because it definitely is a... One season anime where they basically are prompting you to go read the manga. They leave it with Rui wanting to pursue Natsuo. And the two of them are in a pretty spicy um, position with her mounted on top of him on their on her bed. Um, and then, yeah, they show Hina with her haircut, you know, turning over a new leaf. But she still has the ring from Natsuo and even has Natsuo's novel in her new apartment. So there is more to the story, as we all know. But uh, that's where the anime leaves us. Hey, yeah, granted, Gigguk's video about the ending of the manga, it did spoil me as to what happens in the rest of the story. But 
I I would like to see what happens in anime form. I I think I'm intrigued enough by the story to see that play out. Because, uh, yeah, th- this was a pretty big cliffhanger to just end and not have any sort of follow-up in or since 2019, so in, in three years past. Do you think this anime would get a second season? I, I would think so. Like, there's enough of a buzz around it, which... Like I know it's like the, the the discussions have been more on like the the dumpster fire end or like the memeing end of this anime, but I think it's it's enough to warrant a second season. I think the community would go cr- like crazy. Like yeah. there there would be such a shock across the community if this got a season two. And I think people would watch it just out of morbid curiosity. <laughs> Myself included. But, you know, the thing with our podcast is that we have these serendipitous moments where we watch an anime and then all of a sudden it gets an announcement about, like, the next season coming out. Yeah. And this actually happened with, um, I watched One Punch Man season one uh, last week and finished it. And I think around the same time, there was an announcement that uh, season three was going to be coming out in like the next year or so. It so, happened with Devil's a Part-Timer. Devil's a Part-Timer. We watched that pretty late into the game, like years after it premiered. Mm-hmm. And then we talked, I think we talked in our review episode about like, will this ever get a second season? We'd love to see more. And then what, like a year later, it got confirmed. Yeah. And so who knows, maybe with us reviewing Domestic Girlfriend right now, we might get an inkling of hearing news about a second season just out of the blue. And if there is a second season, we'd watch it. We'd review yes. it just because <laughs> we, we have to commit at this point. <laughs> and I know Hernstrom would be super happy to hear that news too. <laughs> and that brings us to our final thoughts for Domestic Girlfriend. So how many instances of home is where the hard-on is out of 10 would you give this dumpster fire of an anime (laughs) all right so what i originally scored it the first time i watched it back in 2019 was a five out of ten and having watched it a few years later um in a second run through i still agree with that score because five out of ten is truly like average middle of the road it is more on like the bad side of things based on male scores but you know five out of ten i feel like kind of bridges that gap between a couple of different things um yes it's a dumpster fire yes it's trashy um yes it's like out of left field a lot of the time but it's still entertaining to a certain degree. The story is at least cohesive and the animation is pretty solid most of the time. Um, But again, it is still a dumpster fire, yet it's more like um, a well-put-together dumpster fire than something that's completely overdone or try-hard or completely unbelievable, like in-your-face trash. And I I think we can all think of like a particular anime that we've seen. Like I, I think of Prison School, right? Like Prison School is fucking trashy i mean it's it's pretty much as close to hentai as you can get um in anime format um i know there's interspecies reviewers maybe that's a little bit closer but prison school is wild it is in your face it is like unbelievably dumpster fiery to the point where yeah that's almost entertaining in a different way here it's like again all of the scenes that play out even the more extreme or lewd ones are still done tastefully there's still substance here and there's still thoughtful writing here there's character development 
all these things like it just it was trashy but in a more sophisticated way um and i just i think that that a little bit of like refinement that you get in domestic girlfriend kept me from giving it a totally bad score it was still entertaining it was still pretty well done overall so i think a five out of ten is a good marriage between the the trashiness of this show but the redeeming qualities of this show what about you I gave this a six out of 10. It wasn't as terrible of a dumpster fire as what everyone was making it out to be, but I think I wouldn't rate this any higher than I did Marmalade Boy, which I also gave a six out of 10. Um, Like I think they (laughs) they are good shows in their own right, but they have their trashy moments, but I don't think one felt worse than the other. So uh i think you know like the show focuses on different and mary maybe very taboo aspects of love like the ones that are in adolescent sexual fantasies these student teacher relationships and and love affairs and as 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 interesting as of a, and as interesting of a premise as that is it doesn't really compel me in rooting for natsuo and hino's relationship to flourish even after it fizzles out because like i think Natsu was the worst character of the show and just kind of like that c-tier flirt and that's i think what is keeping me from really giving this a a, a better score is like, like how much of a fuck up Natsu is and we've i've mentioned this previously like i can you really expect like a second year high school student to know exactly what he wants out of life and more significantly out of love and just seeing the the roller coaster of this show i think is what what keeps me hooked and as you said it, it's it's never in a way that feels distasteful or or cringeworthy even though it There's is a lot a, of cringe <laughs> yeah even though it, it is a a very messy subject to to focus on with this show I think it was always just the kind of soap opera-like development of the story that still kept me hooked into it. And I, I think most of us don't really prefer soap operas, but it's it's one of those things where like it, it's a like a traffic accident. You know it's terrible, but you can't take your eyes off of it. And that's the feeling I have with Domestic Girlfriend, even though... High school, it's not a serious thing, but man, do these problems matter in this show. Well, now you're in the know. Now that you've seen Domestic Girlfriend, you're in the know with the community around it, the memes, all that fun stuff. Um, And yeah, I can't believe it. We actually did it. We reviewed Domestic Girlfriend, the Mm -hmm. trashiest of the trashy anime. (laughs) Yeah, time to blast the OP for days on end. Oh, God. (laughs) Collect all the Rui merch. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We appreciate you guys. You guys are the best. And special shout out and thank you again to Hernstrom for um, being an awesome patron, requesting this over and over again, and being the push that we needed to finally commit to watching and reviewing Domestic Girlfriend. Hope you enjoyed it. Subscribe to Strictly Anime on your favorite podcast service. Join our Discord to chat with us, especially all about who's better, Rui or Hina. Follow us on Instagram at the Strictly Series. Team Masayaki. <laughs> on Twitter at Strictly Series. And check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com. 
If you'd like to support the show, like our awesome patron, Hernstrom, then head over to patreon.com slash strictly series. Tune into Strictly Jojo, our other podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, for our Stone Ocean review series. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. This is episode 102, and we're reviewing the long-awaited domestic girlfriend. Oh, God. As always, oh, my mom is calling me. Hang on. <laughs>